without small group, uh, I, I would be a consumer of church. I, I don't feel like I would be as plugged in. My first visit to Fraser, uh, me and my wife were visiting churches around Montgomery, and uh, we came to Fraser. I walked in the door, and instantly it felt different. Uh, it felt like a home. The people, people that you'd never met before, were engaging and happy to see you, and uh, you, I could tell something was special. First couple times, it was still that that same thing. You just kind of rolling through the motions, just trying to find a, a church, and then it really, really started getting fired up whenever we found in small groups. We got introduced to Susan Fisher, and she hooked us up with a newlywed small group, and that's where we've met some of our best friends so far. Being volunteered at the church just to tell people where to go, and I had no idea where anything was at the church. I had to direct them towards my wife because she knew every place, but I would have never done that anywhere else. And when you get involved with a group of people, it just kind of allows you to step out of your comfort zone. So one of the cool experiences at Frazier was getting able to uh, participate in coaching Upward Bound uh, with two of my small group members. And honestly, that, that's one of the biggest and coolest things that I've done in a while, um, coming from a sports background and then, you know, just missing that team, you know, spirit and being able to coach with two of my small group members and in a league like Upward where the center was Christ was amazing. We just kind of were sitting there and I said, hey guys, I don't know if y'all saw this, but uh, Guys kind of pulling on my heartstrings. I always loved basketball when I was in high school. I still love to play some. And uh, I, I think this would be, I think God's asking me to step out of my comfort zone and do this. And we just, at that very minute, uh, Trey and Briggs uh, looked at me and they said, I, I was thinking the same thing. God is definitely leading us to move in to coach upward and share what we have learned, you know, especially over the last few months of getting to know each other with a group of, you know, children that. Um, that we could share our experiences with and, and be able to coach and, and share Christ with. When we made the decision to volunteer, you know, at first it was kind of a, oh, we feel the need to do this. It's it, almost like uh, not a chore, but, you know, something that you need to go do. And within a week, we found that this was something we couldn't wait to do because God filled us up each and every week. There's a million different things going on at Fraser. And I mean, it just taking that taking that little leap, that little leap of faith, just just to get involved, it'll lead you to so much more. You you benefit more than what you're giving out, and that's so true in Christ and in your everyday life. Uh, he modeled that for us that as you give out, He'll pour into you, and that's what I've experienced is when the times that I feel like I couldn't do something or I was tired, when I actually went the extra mile and the eff extra effort, um, God really poured into my life then. And so that's what I would encourage someone else who, to get involved. Good morning. Welcome home. It's good to see you all this morning. Uh, there's a few things I want to do before we get started. The first thing is uh, we have some very special guests with us here today. Um, Roger and Jenny Barnett serve with Surge in uh, medical missions in Kenya, and they've been partners with us for a number of years. And so they're sitting right over here to my right, your left. Would you please give them a big welcome? Yeah. Thank you so much for what y'all do for the kingdom around the world. We're praying for you. Uh, also, we have another guest with us this morning uh, who has uh, been such a blessing to me and us as a church as well. I don't exactly know where he is sitting. I know the area. 
but we have uh, Bishop David Graves and his wife uh, Nancy is with us this morning. Just concluded annual conference yesterday, uh, which is a, a huge task. I'm so thankful for him and his leadership in our conference, especially during these difficult days. And so would you please make them welcome as well. Also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television this morning. Thank you uh, for tuning in this way. We cannot wait till we, when we can all be back together again. And so, church, one more time, would you uh, make welcome our TV and online audience as well? Yeah. John Ed. There's John Ed. John Ed has more Fraser shirts than anybody I have ever met in my life. And so I thought it would be appropriate if we gave him one with our new logo on it. Don't you think that? Yeah, John Ed. <laughs> there you go, sir. I've only got 36. <laughs> only got 36. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Well, so good to be here this morning. Uh, as you can tell as we've gone throughout this series, we're actually reading the same two texts each week. You may have caught on to that, right? But we're reminding ourselves that we want to be a church that fulfills the Great Commission by living the Great Commandment. We want to make disciples of all nations, baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything, everything that Jesus commanded us. And we want to do that. We want to have those opportunities to share Christ by loving God, loving our neighbors, and yes, even taking care of and loving ourselves. And so as we talk today about loving God with all of our soul, would you pause and pray with me? Let's pray. Father, in this moment, we are so thankful that we get to pause in the busyness of life. For those of us in this room, for those of us watching online, on television, we thank you for this holy moment. And we ask that you would open our minds, open our hearts, that we may receive what you have for us this morning. We pray this and we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus, who is our Savior. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Do you remember the day that you were the most thirsty you had ever been in life? The day where you were the most thirsty you had ever been. I do. I do. Several years ago, I was on a mission trip, and we were in the Palestinian territory, the West Bank. And uh, after the mission trip is about to end, and before we jump, uh, went back to Tel Aviv, jump on a plane to come home, um, we got a guy to drive us from Jerusalem to Jericho. And the Bible talks a lot about the traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, like the parable of the Good Samaritan and other places. So we're driving through the desert. It is flat. Uh, it's flat. It's dry, very dry. And all of a sudden, it was me and another friend named Peter, he, and, and our driver said, I want to show you something. We said, sure. So he pulled over to what looked like just a parking lot in the middle of the desert. We thought, this is awkward. And so he said, come on, get, get out. I, I want to show you. Uh, come with me. Sure. Got out of the car, and we walked over about 50 yards, and we looked down, and we realized we were on the edge of a ravine running through the desert. That ravine is called the Wadi Kilt. It goes from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's the one that people would travel because there was a stream that ran through it. And he said, come on, let's go down. We thought, sure. Problem was, 
as we're traveling down this hill, down and down and down and down, I realize my water bottle is in the car. Mm. It is hot. Did I mention we were in the desert? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Eddie Ray. Uh, yes, we were in the desert, walking down. It is burning up. We finally make it to the bottom. And, and, and there is a stream running through there. I'm not about to drink out of that stream, I can promise you. Uh, but I thought, this is beautiful, this is wonderful, but I'm thirsty. He said, look. And he pointed, and there was this amazing monastery built into the side of the wall, the other side of the ravine. And he said, come on, let's go up. And I thought, yes, let's go back and get some water out of the car. He meant up the other side. So we started hiking up and up and up and up and up the other side. We get up there, and it is amazing. Uh, there is this cave where it is said that Elijah hid, and God miraculously fed him. And I'm looking at this holy place, and I'm going, this is amazing, and I'm thirsty. This is amazing. I really would like a drink of water. We went over and we looked at uh, the chapel that they built into the side of this ravine. It was beautiful. They wouldn't let us go in. But he said, we have a saint in there. I said, oh, wow, I've never met anybody who carried the title of saint. This is great. And I looked in through the window, and he said, do you see him over there? And I'm like, I don't see anybody. He said, no, 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 he's over there. He's been there since 1969. He's the one in the glass coffin. Oh, Okay. Not exactly what I was looking for. This is neat, but I'm thirsty. So he's walking us around. He's showing us, one of the priests walking us around, showing us th this amazing, beautiful monastery built into the side of this ravine, and finally I saw it. It was the elixir of life. It was a plexiglass container full of water. I walked over that plexiglass container, and I grabbed one of the paper cups, and I filled that cup up with water, and I downed it. And then I filled it up again, and I downed the second cup. About that time, I heard someone over my shoulder, another hiker, say, you might want to have some coffee. And I looked over, and there, sure enough, there was a big coffee pot, little bitty coffee cups, that thick, dark, black coffee. And I thought, you've lost your mind. This is the desert. In the middle of the day, I am burning up. There is no way I'm drinking coffee in the middle of the day in the desert. I turned back to that plexiglass container, and that's when I saw it. The bottom was covered in green fuzz. So I had some coffee <laughs> in the desert. I remember how thirsty I was that day. Probably you can think back to a time in your life when you were so thirsty. And we know what that feels like when we're thirsty physically, but what about spiritually? What about spiritually? Many times when we're thirsty spiritually, we describe it differently. We say things like, oh, I feel unsettled on the inside. We say things like, I'm trying to find some stability in life. We say things like, I just feel dissatisfied with life. Or I'm, I I'm find myself frustrated all the time. Sometimes we find ourselves caught up in trying to work on the next achievement or the next accomplishment in life. When many times what's going on is 
were simply dry on the inside. And that leads me to point number one this morning, if you're taking notes, and that is, my soul is thirsty. My soul is thirsty. Your soul is thirsty. So thirsty. We have this part of us, we are created, yes, body and soul, this soul part of us that is created by God and therefore everlasting, it will last forever, and it thirsts. Psalm 42, verse 1 and 2 puts it this way. It says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul, my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts. My soul gets thirsty. This idea of water is a powerful image if you think about it. Some 60% of our body is water. Some 73% of our brain and heart is water. Some 71% of the world is water. This is a powerful image. We know what it's like to be thirsty, at least on some level. And what this psalm tells us is that our souls, they pant. They get thirsty. This psalm tells us that our souls were created to do this, actually. You see, the word pant is not a gentle word. It's actually a violent word. It, it means to crave. My soul craves something deeply. And it tell, this psalm tells us that our souls were created for this. Our souls were created to crave. We were actually designed with our soul, and our soul has the capacity to get thirsty. Just like our body gets thirsty and it's a trigger, our brain triggers our body that the water level's too low, you need to take a drink. Our souls are created with the capacity to get thirsty and we start recognizing that sometimes. Our souls were created with the capacity to crave, to crave, but what are we craving? What are we craving? Point number two is, is this, is my soul thirsts for God. Yes, it is true that our souls get thirsty, yes. The question is, how do we quench that thirst? And what this psalm offers to us in Psalm 42 is that our souls are actually thirsty for God. That's verse 2. My soul thirsts for God, for God. It was David who said in Psalm 63, verse 1, My soul thirsts for you, my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. There is something about us as temporal beings that we crave the eternal. We crave the eternal. Just think about the stories we tell, the movies that are made, the legends of old uh, about attaining immortality or finding the fountain of youth. There's something with, uh, within us where we crave eternity. Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.11, he says that God has set eternity in the human heart. There's something on the inside of us where we crave connection, with the Creator. We crave connection with the Creator. We seek to fill it in so many different ways, but at the end of the day, we crave connection with the Creator. And the problem is, is that yes, our soul, this created thing that will last forever, it craves connection with the Creator. And what we have to realize is that there is nothing in creation itself that can satisfy it. There is a thirst in our souls that nothing in this creation can satisfy it. Only God. And what happens so many times in life, 
is that we settle. We settle for trying to quench this thirst in us by drinking from the polluted puddles of this world instead of the wells of heaven. So many times we try to satisfy this longing in our soul, this longing of creation. We look for something within creation to satisfy it, and it never does. It never does. It only leaves us thirsty for more. And that pursuit of trying to fill or quench that thirst all the more in life. St. Augustine said, he said, God, thou hast put salt upon our lips that we may thirst for thee. I love that quote. Thou hast put salt upon our lips that we may thirst for thee. What, what Augustine is getting at is this thirstiness of our soul that only God can quench. But the question is, what kind of God are we talking about? See, in today's world, whenever you just say God, we may define God in several different ways, right? So what kind of God is Psalm 42 talking about? If it is true that our souls get thirsty, and if it is true that our souls are thirsty for God, what does the psalm say about this God? How does the psalm define this God? And point number three is this, is that my soul is thirsty for the living God. My soul is thirsty for the living God. So many times we settle for a domesticated God, a God who we can go to whenever something's going on in life, but he really does not have anything to do with our lives outside of that. What Psalm 42, though, says is that my soul thirst for God, and then it goes on and defines that, for the living God. The living God. And he says, when can I go meet with God? Notice what it says. My soul thirst, yes, for God, but he defines that for the living God. And then he says, when can I go meet with that God? I want to meet with a God who is alive. And I think the longing of our souls, the thirsting of our souls, is to have a God that is on the move. I don't know about you, but I want a God that can speak and creation happens. I want a God that can touch and heal. I want a God that can bind up the brokenhearted. I want a God that can step into my mess and pull me out. Am I the only one that's ever been in a mess? I want a God that's powerful. I want a God that can look into my eyes and see my soul. I want a God that's not confined to a statue. I want a God that's not limited to the amount of currency I have on hand. Are you with me here? I want a God that's alive and on the move. I want a God that transcends the conceptual field of my mind. I want a God that can walk on water. I want a God that can move mountains. I want a God that can calm storms. I don't know what kind of God you want, but that's the kind of God I want. I want a God that can melt my religious heart and at the same time make the heart of a prostitute soar in the wake of his mercy and forgiveness. I want a God that leaves me in awe of his greatness and at the same time leaves me in tears because of his grace. 
I want a God that can forgive your secret sin, the one that is the darkest that you've been hiding for years that you won't know one to know about. I want a God that can break the power of that sin in your life. I want a God that can take shame and turn it into sanctification. I want a God that is, a, that is living, that is alive, that is powerful. And that's the kind of God that Psalm 42 speaks of. Again, not a domesticated God that we simply go to whenever we're in need or we're trying to appease because we don't want him or her mad at us. I want a God that is alive and on the move. Because I believe that that kind of God is the only kind of God that can satisfy the thirst that I have and that you have in your soul. One day Jesus was talking with a lady at a well. We're going to look at this in detail in a few weeks. But he's talking with her and he points at the well and he goes, You do know that anyone who drinks of this water out of this well, you do know they're going to get thirsty again. But if you drink the water I give you, you're not going to get thirsty again. A few days later, or chapters later in John, if you want to put it that way, in John chapter 7, Jesus stands up at a festival because Jesus liked to go to parties and have fun with people. And he stands up at a festival and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and, and drink. You see, if it is true that we are created with this thing called a soul, and if it is true that this thing called a soul thirsts, and if it is true that our soul thirsts for God, and if it is true that our soul thirsts for not just any God, but a living God that's on the move, what Jesus is doing in these two passages is claiming that he's that God that can satisfy that thirst. And I believe that he is. Yeah. And so many times we spend so much time in life trying to satisfy the thirst of our soul in another way. When God is alive and on the move in the world all around us. We've already mentioned twice this morning what God is doing in Kenya. Is that not amazing? Amazing. That God is on the move all around this globe. And what Jesus reminds us of, I think what he teaches us, is that there is a difference between standing in the rain with water all around you and drinking from the river of life that he has to offer. There's a world of difference between those two things. The first people who encountered him when he came from heaven to earth, they, they, they stood in his rain. He was doing things all around him, but there's a difference between God doing things all around us and actually drinking from the wells of heaven. You know, we show this video about small groups and Sunday school classes. It is an amazing video. Thank you guys for sharing that testimony. Um, you know, in a small group, in a Sunday school class, do you know why I think they're important? The reason why I think they're important is because we need two things. Number one, I believe that everybody needs somebody to help them and remind them to take a drink. To make sure you pause in life and drink from the river of life that Jesus offers. 
Yes, it's good fellowship. Yes, it's good Bible teaching. Yes, we have fun together and all that stuff. That is wonderful. But I think in groups we need those times where we, we say, hey, I just want to remind you. Make sure you pause and rehydrate a little. Not only does everybody need somebody to help them and remind them to take a drink, I, I think that someone needs you. Someone actually needs you. Oh, I'm, t I'm talking about you. Do you realize this? I'm talking to you. Everybody raise your hand and say, it's me. It's me. Yeah, it's me. It's you. Someone needs you to help them be reminded that they need to take a drink. This is what we do for each other. The goal is not to show up at a particular time in a particular space called a Sunday school room or a house or something like that on a particular day of the week. The goal is that we remind each other and we help each other drink from the river of life because it is the only thing that can satisfy our soul. The only thing. Which leads me to the question of the morning. And it is a historic question that we as Wesleyans have asked for many, many years. And it's simply, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? Normally, this is the part of the service where you say, okay, he's starting to wind down. Let me get my, let me get ready to leave. Hang, hang on, just say, hang on, just say, hang on. Hang on. How is it with your soul? You made it all the way here today. Why not ask a relevant question? How is it really? Are you dry on the inside? Dehydrated, maybe? Or satisfied? Satisfied by drinking from the wells of heaven. Right where you are, I'm going to invite you to bow your head. And as you bow your head, I want you to think about this statement. The way we love God with all of our soul is to let God be the one who satisfies our soul. The way we love God with all of our soul is to Go to God. Let Him be the one that satisfies the thirst of our soul. And so whatever that means for you right now as you're sitting in this room, as you're watching online or on television, let us go into a moment of prayer and reflection to once again say, God, I just want to drink from the wells of heaven, from the river of life. Because my soul, it pants, it craves, it thirsts for you. And so, Lord, right here, right now, Lord, all hearts, minds, and souls are open to you. Lord, you know what each and every person in this room and online and on television need. You know what we need in this moment. And we just say, here we are. Once again, may we drink from the river of life and find our satisfaction in no one and nothing but you. Let it be so in Jesus' good and powerful name.